0: So, the other day, I was just kind of perusing around YouTube, and I came across a TSN radio segment, and I I wanted to ask my two co-hosts, because I feel like they might be, you know, better, you know, people that could probably answer this question. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. So, if your significant other bought you tickets to say, like for Austin, and if, she bought you Leafs versus Kings tickets. Or Anson, if your significant other bought you Leafs versus Blue Jackets tickets. Would you take your significant other?
1: Uh, I would, if she bought them for me? Yes. Like, I, would as ask yes. Her, yeah, I would ask her if she wants to come. If she doesn't want to come, then I would be like, okay, cool. Then I'll ask someone else. But she obviously gets first dibs. Why wouldn't she get first dibs? She spent the money.
2: Fair enough. Anson? That's not even a debate. It's like, yeah, I'm assuming she's coming. But otherwise, she goes like, oh, yeah, you know, what? I bought it for you and a buddy. It is what it is. But again, like Austin said, uh, she gets first dibs. Yeah, like
1: my partner doesn't really like hockey. So I could see her being like, oh, uh, no, not really. But also at the same time, if she was like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, one of his hobbies I would like to get, you know, understand it further. Again, yeah, hell yeah. She has right she... of first refusal. That's what, that's what I'm looking
2: for. No, but the other thing she bought it. So like Yeah. She goes first and then you go, okay, no, okay. Awesome. Yeah, you want right Jeffrey wanna Right, right a first mean?
0: refusal. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, but like say if she bought you like tickets to something that only like you enjoy, right? Like something that she doesn't enjoy at all, but you enjoy. She's is she still gonna be the first person you ask? Like, yes, you, right, right a first refusal. Yes. She bought it again. But if it's as a gift, though, right? Like, say, don't care.
1: Look, the answer doesn't change no matter what you do, Jeffrey. As long as she spent the money, Anson and answers it, is both gonna be yes. She
2: gets the right first, right refusal. Okay, well,
1: let's... Anson, does that do I speak for you there?
0: Yes, you wanted to keep asking the same question over and over again. Yes, it's the same answer. Well, then let's turn it around. Then, if you bought your significant other tickets to something that they like, but you don't really, you're not like a huge fan of. Do you expect your significant other to ask you first to go with you? Or do you expect her to, you know, go off and, you know, find one of her friends or something to
1: go with? I think it goes both ways. If she bought some, to something that I have absolutely no interest in, and I bought it though, I'd still like her to be like, hey, do you want to come with me? And if I say no, then she can take whatever the heck she wants. I don't care. If there was someone some, like, you know what, it's her hobby, I would really like to learn more about it, get involved with it, I would like to go. I think she would be, I would I would expect she would be okay with me joining her to whatever event it is. I'm not just saying this, I'm not just saying this because my partner listens to the plot sometimes.
2: <laughs> or for brownie points, it's it's the yes. absolute like, it's the courtesy of like, you know.
1: I would expect really this, yes. So, what is this segment about, Jeffrey? <laughs>
0: oh no, no, no! I just saw, I just saw this pop up on my like, I was perusing YouTube, and I just thought it'd be an interesting question, as I am the only uh, host that does not have a significant other. I thought it'd just be interesting to hear what you guys would say. So, so did you watch the segment? Yeah, I watched the segment. It was. On, did, uh,
1: did, was there an argument for anything other, any other, uh, any other like uh,
0: mindset? Well, one of the hosts was saying that, like, she would want to bring whoever would make the experience more of an experience, right? Like, if you're going to be bringing someone, if you're going to bring someone along who is your significant other, who isn't going to enjoy it as much, then as the person who got the tickets, you're not getting the full experience. But if you bring, like, a friend that really enjoys it just as well, then maybe that would create a better experience overall even though your significant other um even though they bought the tickets for you but the, the intention was for you to enjoy it right like that was the intention so there that was one of the key um, comments and i the second comment which does not apply to any of us is that child care right if you've got a significant other someone's got if you can't organize child care only one of the persons can go right so again
1: so my my thoughts have been made pretty clear, but I'm being a devil's advocate here. What if, like, do you find there is the argument to be made, I bought it for them, or they bought it for me. They're my tickets. I can do whatever I want with my tickets.
0: Well, I I think that's the whole point of the question, like, right? Like, if, if say you, if someone bought me, oh, I can't say me, so like say so it doesn't matter, it's a hypothetical.
1: Someone bought it. like I'm like I'm just being a devil's advocate now, right? I already stated my point. Like, yeah, I would take them. But Jeffrey, if someone bought you tickets, your tickets, right? Cause then okay, but again, I'm being a devil's advocate now. Let me take let me take partner out of the situation. Jeffrey, your mother bought you tickets, two tickets. Do you take your mother?
0: Um I would If it was my mom, depends on where we're going. That's the thing, right? Like, it depends on the event. And I do agree with what makes the experience better, right? Like, if we're going to a hockey game, I'm not taking my mom. Because I've seen my mom at a hockey game, and it's not fun. Because it's just someone in your ear the entire time just asking you about every single play, cheering when you're not supposed to be cheering, and it's very, very annoying. So I I won't take my mom to a sporting event.
1: So... That that's my that's my question though. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna this changes it. What makes your partner okay to bring with, but not your mom? Okay, right? Because answer, I think you'd be the similar too. If your mom bought you tickets, would you still take your mom there?
2: Uh, offer stands. She bought it. She gets first dibs, and then she so goes, you
1: still be fine.
2: Yeah, like if she likes it or not, but like hey, like honestly, you got the tickets. You should have first dibs on whether or not you want to go.
0: It's, so I know what changes it for Jeffrey though?
1: What changes it for you, Jeffrey?
0: I, I think if it's, well, I mean, as the only single person, I would assume that your connection with your significant other is maybe a little bit different. And I think your interests might align more compared to a mother son relationship where the interests might differ a little bit. So that would be my intention. I think, that it's this is all hypothetical, right? But, like, like if I guess a qu- another question would be say they don't buy you like just your two tickets, right? If you bought three tickets, does that automatically not make you feel like you need to ask your significant other if they want to come, right? If it's not going to be like a date thing, right? Like, it's suddenly they bought three tickets for some reason. I don't know why. Or they bought four tickets. Let's say four tickets, or actually, no, four tickets would still inclined but like if they bought you three tickets for some reason they can only get three tickets um does that change the math a little bit for you guys one ticket is for my significant
1: other and one is for whoever i want
2: obviously don't sell it a lot easier i'll be honest yeah
1: whatever whoever i want i would pick anson or jeffrey either one it's my choice (laughs) then
2: but the other ticket is reserved and it, it is not a question Unless she says no, I don't want to go. You enjoy with whoever you want, and then I go. Okay, hey guys, welcome. Yeah.
1: She that we back to the same point. She right she bought first it.
2: Refusal. Yeah. She bought it. It's it's like the whole thing is whoever buys it under I guess myself and Alson's, um logic, that person gets first dip on that second ticket, and then if you have more than that, like three, four, five, six, seven tickets, for some reason I don't know why they're buying it for you, but. You can ask whoever the fuck you want after that. Random question, I guess, for
1: Anton and Jeffrey. Okay, let's say your partner buys you tickets, right? Two tickets, but they go, hey, I actually want you to go with my uncle or my cousin. Do you say, okay, sure? Or do you go, ah, can I not? And choose your own buddy to go with.
0: I think it's dependent on your relationship with your partner. Like if it's just like, you know, if it's, if it's like fairly strong relationship, I feel like you have that conversation right there and be like, you know what? I I not really prefer to take, you know, to go with your cousin or uncle or anything, but if you'd like me to, I will do this. Right. Like I I think it's just in the end, this is all about having an open conversation, right. When you're presented to gift of tickets, right. It's like, you need to have the conversation with your significant other. Clarify. Is this, are you wanting to buy these tickets for me to go with someone else? Or are, are, do you want to come along? Right? Like, it's all about open conversation that, you know, right to refuse. Like, that's the first right to refuse. But I think it's, it's just, you, you need to make sure that you and your significant other are communicating about, you know, what do these tickets mean? Because you don't want this to turn into something big where you think that, you know, she bought them for you and your friend to enjoy, but she was expecting you to take her along. Thing, right so
1: Anson let's say it is your, your girlfriend says I bought two tickets one for you and one for her I don't know her dad because let's say her dad really likes hockey and you know no one
2: to go with so Anson can you go with her I think Anson and I will have very similar answers uh, it's very dependent on the other person like how how along do I get with that person Oh, so there, there is person you'd be like, no, no. If it's like I don't know, if it's like, hey, my uncle, but I've never met, or it's like I met him once. It's like that's a little odd, I guess. Uh, hello. <laughs> right. It's it's a bit of like a I I'll go, but like like is there other family members you'd rather yeah take first? Huh. In that scenario, it's like if I don't know them, uh, but if it's like someone that I know, it's like her dad, her mom, her brother. Fine. Sure. Why not?
1: Man. You know what's weird? Uh-huh. Peak off season oh, bag of pucks delves into the relationship and
0: parties. Hey, I thought it would be something kind of fun to it talk
1: about. It is very different and very fun to talk about, but it is just you know we're really the off season when this is what we're talking about.
0: Well, I mean, I thought it would be kind of a good intro. I can't just believe we spent that much time talking about it. That's the one thing. I thought it would be like a short five-minute, you know, go on and we'll talk about some actual hockey news. But, you know, I think we had some good conversations. And I think maybe our listeners have, they could have the same line of thought as we do, or they might have different lines of thought. So
1: I enjoy that. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to the regular schedule programming, though. Because uh, God forbid we turn into the Bank Pucks
0: relationship hour. Let's get the show started properly then.
1: You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network.
0: And we are back. So, I mean, last week you guys talked about Eric Carlson amongst a whole bunch of other things. The week before, I'm sure we talked, or the episode before, I'm sure we talked about the Los Angeles Kings. But, you know, we, we haven't really ever talked about the other California team much. And that's the Anaheim Ducks, who are the only team left who is actually below the salary floor at this point. Granted, um, no one thinks that they're going to be below the salary floor at the um, end of the offseason. But they've got two guys that need contracts that, I not know, it's kind of interesting that it's, kind of taken a little while i don't know if you guys feel any different about it but you know trevor zegers and troy terry are still our phase right now is there a reason why they still have not signed
1: my theory is that their internal cap is actually very close to the cap floor until they're ready to compete uh just in general so then they they're still like actually like operating like a cap team right now but the cap isn't the cap that you and i are used to
0: yeah no that's that's fair i mean the ducks have never been a team that really spent really high i mean like granted when they were you know competing obviously they were but come these last few seasons they haven't really been pushing you know like signing a whole bunch of guys i mean they did you know sign Calor into a little bit of an exorbitant contract and um I think they signed someone, like Rako Goodis, that was the other one that we were kind of scratching our heads at. But, um, I don't know, I just find, Troy Terry, I think we could kind of understand a little bit, right? He's applied for arbitration. So, you know, it's a little bit more, you know, you, they can kind of wait until the arbitration followings and then they might be a little bit more pressured to sign a contract for him because really nothing's going to change between now and his arbitration hearing, but... it's a little bit interesting because this is a guy that weren't they going to trade at the trade deadline at one point I mean at this point it's
2: you can't really trade him because one you're you're below the cap and you can't there's not even one you can be like okay let me get back in exchange for Troy Terry who would be like okay that's fair and gets me to like the floor I think like we're I don't know how to say this but it's like they're playing a dangerous game where it's like, you're not close, you're not at the floor. So you have to like give him a certain, you gotta give these two guys like a certain amount of money to be like, okay, we've reached it. Now let's figure out what to do.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't think like they're like, like just over under like 6 million away from the cap floor, I believe. But I mean, Troy Terry signs for 6 million, right? Like that's not a problem, but do you sign a guy like Troy Terry, who's turning twenty six this year, to an eight year contract, or are you signing him a little bit more short term? Then, like, do you, do you guys think Troy Terry is part like like you assume the reason why they kept Troy Terry past the trade deadline was probably because you know they thought he's part of the future, but he is a little bit older than the rest of the core, and like, are the Ducks competing while Terry's going to be in his prime? Like, I don't really think so. Eh?
1: I think the questions aren't though. Is Troy Terry a star? You've got two solid years of very good output, but then that that's preceded by a couple of years of very meh output. Is he just a late bloomer, or has he just been really good the last couple years? And if you look, his production has gone down this year versus the year before.
0: Well... That, that's an interesting thing, right? Like, I mean, his first couple of years, he was more of a third line, fourth line type of player, right? Like, he wasn't getting, you know, top six minutes. It was just those two years that he really blossomed was when he was getting top six minutes. He was getting top power play time. And, I mean, like, this is kind of like the progression of a player, right? You know, lesser role in the beginning. um, Not going to be as productive, but, you know, when you elevate them into a top role, that's when they start producing. So, I mean, it, it's hard to say, right? Like, if you put him not on the top line, he probably is not going to get you sixty points. But at the same time, he's probably not a top line right winger on your a contending team. I would say, right? Like, I, I would feel more comfortable in him as a second line right winger. So then that comes into the factor of like, are you going to pay him as a second line right winger, or you can pay him as a first line right winger, which he is on your team.
1: Well, that's where the negotiation is, right? Because one side's just going to say, "Well, look at it, he's, he's an all-star. He's got two very good offensive years." And the other side is going to say, "Well, how can I pay him like that two years ago?" When you look at the results from last year, and it's, he's quote-unquote regressing. I'm mean, using that very loosely. That's probably where the negotiation is stuck, right? One is saying, "Look, he is." He is a 37 goal scorer. And the other side would say, well, this year he wasn't even a 25 goal scorer. So, like, is he even that? Should we? Why would we even consider paying him at that level?
0: Yeah. Like, I, I think it ends up going to be in between, right? Like, you got kind of to take the average of the two seasons and say, you know, he's probably in a healthy season. He gets you 25 goals, 60 points, plays on your power play, doesn't really play on your. Tony Kill. Like, to me, he sounds like he's probably gonna get near but less than what Alex DeBrinkett got. Like, I I don't see Troy Terry signing like an eight year deal. Like, he's got one year left of RFA status. Like, are the Ducks gonna buy that many years of his UFA and assume that he's gonna still be with them? Or do you sign probably to a shorter term deal and then see you know where your teams at and you know he's probably going to be a guy I, I think he's going to age out out of his prime before the ducks contend right so I, I could see him sign like a three four year deal right but would
2: you sign it if you were him that's the question because if what you're saying is true it's you know uh, he's let's just say he's which is peak of his career in a sense Uh, he wants that you know seven eight years and the Ducks are like, here's 2-3, slash three, and you can walk to UFA in your, what, age 29, 30-ish season? Which, you know, granted, you can still get a bag. But when this Ducks team becomes good, you'll be out of here, more or less. So it's like, it kind of looks at like uh, when the Leafs were tanking a, a while ago. And uh, uh, with the All-Star game, that had to be like, hey... Every team has to have an all-star. And at one point, the Leafs had Leo Komarov be their all-star representative. So it's kind of like... I'm not comparing the two but like side-by-side, but it's like someone had to be that. And that's what Troy Terry kind of was with this Ducks team.
1: So if I don't remember correctly, Kirk, Jack Free, correct me if I'm wrong, if they go to arbitration, uh, can they then become a like UFA the year after? Or or they're, they're an RFA next year as well, right? I guess Troy Terry's an RFA next year. So he would have two years of RFA, right?
0: Uh, Troy Terry actually has a late birthday. So I think he only had like next, next year is his last RFA year. So if he signs a one-year contract, I'm pretty sure he goes into UFA next year.
1: So if you're him... And you're confident in this, your own abilities, do you not just go to ARB then become a, a UFA and go get paid? Like do you even bother doing this? That was, could that be a possibility of why we see no action? Is because he's thinking, well, I might as well just wait to ARB. And let's be honest, Jerry, yeah, I might like lose out on a little bit of money, an ARB, but then I get to become a
0: UFA after, and then I get paid. Well, I think what ansa was kind of pointing out was like, what if he continues to quote unquote regress? like maybe if, when he does, if he does hit UFA next season, maybe he won't get the same amount as if he were to sign based on his current production. So uh, that's why I'm thinking. It's probably going to be like the in-between, like really rarely do we see guys who have like one year left of uh, before going to UFA, signing those big long-term deals, right? Like. If this was a guy that was like really good, you would have locked him up earlier than before you hit 25, 26, right? Like Terry, like a late bloomer for sure. I mean, he he's kind of like last, no, two seasons ago, that's when he really um, had his uh, breakout season with the 37 goals, right? So like, I, I think you get that in between where you maybe do like a three-year deal and that way you hit ufa at a good age still and that's kind of when the cap is going up too right so maybe you time it perfectly with when the salary cap goes up so that when you do hit the ufa teams actually have money to spend on you and then you can actually make a little bit more money than say if you were to lock up on a long-term deal and you still get a little bit of security with the fact that you know if you were to get hurt or you know regress you're still make some money but even if it regresses though,
2: it's like he's at what, sixty-one points this year. Let's just for the sake of argument, but like fifty ish or high forties. That's still like a four or five million dollar player in this like league.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just I, I feel like he's probably going, like that's why I'm saying like he's gonna get like not the brinket money, but like like similar. Like he's probably gonna get a four year term, three, four year term. He'll maybe get six seven million but like if he were to quote-unquote regress like maybe he's closer to that four or five million dollar range but i just don't see him quote-unquote regressing because i mean he'll probably get to play with zegris who again another guy that hasn't signed which again is is wasn't zegris supposed to be the face of this franchise you know like he showed up at the all-star game had all those cool moves seemed like he was going to be like they're cornerstone guy, but you know, if he's such a cornerstone, why haven't they locked him up?
2: What if it's a discussion for eight years? It's a, Hey, we want you for eight years. You want to be here for eight years. Well, let's settle on a term. That's possible. Let's I'm just throwing that out there. Like, you know, they're taking this long. Cause it's like, you're not doing this for one year. And then looking at like coming back together for a new contract next year. You're like, Hey, let's just for eight years, just get it. Over and done with. That's probably why. If they want, if there's is, like, if both teams are uh, oh, sorry, or if both the team and the player wants to uh, be here long
0: term. Yeah, no, I, I think that that would make sense. But I think something there's two factors I think that's changed this. One, the Ducks drafting Leo Carlson, right, and they have Mason McTavish. Like, if you were to say. Who are the two cornerstone centers for the Ducks in five years? I'd be hesitant to say Zegers. Like I would probably say it's McTavish and Carlson who are probably gonna be the centers for the Ducks for the future. Like I could see Zegers moving to the wing or maybe trade bait for a you know a number like a number one defenseman. Like I'm just putting that out there. I don't know if Z. I think Zegers is now number three center of the future for the Ducks.
1: I mean he probably go to the wing before you go to a center.
0: like you're not paying him what six, seven million in the open market? No, but like I, I'm saying like it, you're not gonna sign a guy who is projected to be your third best center and you're not gonna lock him up for eight years. like that's not good resource handling, right?
1: I mean, but the same time though, you're not gonna you're not gonna bank on that on a lottery ticket at this point, even when you have the sure thing.
0: Now, that's the question. Is Zegers a sure thing? Like, is he a number one center or is he more of a number two center? Like, he's not been a great faceoff guy. He's been sheltered like crazy. Is he, like, is, he, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, Leo Carlson just got drafted. Mason McTavish just finished his rookie season. Yeah, that's
1: a lot of uh, pressure putting on a guy who just got drafted.
0: But then you look at Zegers, he has only 180 games under his belt or something like that. He's what two full seasons is like that- if you're
1: if he's willing to resign. Yeah, you re-sign him. And if he doesn't, you know, if he's a surplus, then you can trade him. And I feel like if he has term, he becomes more valuable. Why would you not re sign? I don't see the value in not re signing if you can trade him away.
0: Well, that comes to my second factor, which is Mr. Pat Verbeek, who has kind of followed. I don't. I don't want to call him his mentor because he's only one year older, but the guy he kind of followed through management, Stevie Y, who just seems to be like he does not care about what consensus thing. He will take his all the information and make his own decision. And I could see P- Pat Verbeek being like, "Hey, like." You know, I've got two young centermen who probably fit the style of play that I want to play or I want to build this team around. Zgris, you know, you're great, but I'm not going to pay you. Like, maybe I do want to sign you long-term, but I'm not going to pay you as a center. I'm going to pay you as a winger. And maybe that's the holdup, right? Like, if you look at the guys that have been locked up in um, Zgris' draft year, Hughes got eight times eight. Cousins got 7 times 7.1. Caulfield got 8 times 7.875. Boldy got 7 times 7. Like, if you're Z scam, I think you're looking at Hughes' contract and be like, hey, I want 8 times 8. But then if you're, you know, Patent for Beacon and Ducks, maybe you're like, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards that 7 times 7 that Boldy just got, right? Like, I, I think maybe that's where the holdup is.
1: I mean, there's not much you can add, or like we're just speculating
2: at this point. Like I don't know what else you want me to tell you. <laughs> but this is like a luxury. If you're the ducks, you got McTavish, you got Zegras, you got Carlson. Like this is a dream. Three guys who can play center who have what I guess number one potential. Like number one center potential. Like this is like an absolute dream. If Yeah, and even not
1: if you say fine Zegras is not gonna face it. Fine. Two number one centers and a one spot starter center slash winger that is any team would want that i would say particularly the boston bruins would want that revamp their core right there
0: yes uh for a team that has zero set well i don't want to say zero centers but zero top six centers maybe the boston bruins could trade with the ducks uh, i don't see that happening but yes um the bruins you know They had a strong center core for, I want to say, a decade and a half. But, you know, that's come to an end with Patrice Bergeron announcing his retirement. Um, What are your first thoughts about Patrice Bergeron, actually? I just want to kind of ask you guys, you know, Anton, like, what's your your impression about Patrice Bergeron? If you could, you know, say it in like one sentence.
1: Absolute legend. Hall of Famer, two-way player. The best two way player in a generation.
0: Yeah, I mean, what, Bergeron set the record? He has what six Selkies or something? Like I I was gonna like I had prepped this and I was gonna be like end this off end this like segment and being like asking if you guys put, if Patrice Bergeron is a Hall of Famer. But I, I think it's fairly clear from both of you guys your response to it, that. He is a Hall of Famer, like probably a first ballot Hall of Famer, if I'm Easily a Hall of Famer. You uh, look
1: like, at I don't know how you don't. Yeah, you look at what he's won. You look at what he's done. You look at his reputation. There is no, I can't think of a reason why he why he wouldn't be Hall of Famer.
0: No, and like to think his career. Like I remember when I first heard of Patrice Bergeron, I remember him being someone that we weren't sure if he was ever going to be the same guy anymore, right? Like, I can't remember which season it was. I want to say it was 07-08, where he had, like, back-to-back concussions, and it looked like his career was, like, almost over, right? Like, and then from then on, he came back healthy. I mean, granted, he wasn't, like, an 82-game type of guy, but in the games he played, he played them hard, and, you know, he built a long career. Like, I honestly thought he was going to be a guy that might just leave the game at 30 or 32 because of those early concussions, but he's kind of pushed through and like, you know, he's a hall of fame guy probably at this point, right? Like I I think the one fun stat that I found out about him, um, there's something on hockey reference called a career expected plus minus. And I know plus minus is probably one of the most useless stats, but guess where Bergeron ranks in the entire NHL? in career expected minus.
2: wait sorry is there a difference between like expected and like actual
1: yeah there's difference um but of all time or of active players
0: um i was actually kind of curious because when i was looking at the list i wonder if they this is like a fairly newer stat because i think it only counted players from like 2000 onwards because i feel like minus wasn't as big of a thing before then so you know, let's just say active, or like as active as twenty twenty three, right? Because Berger wants to technically retire, but yeah. so he's active.
2: So a career, right? Yes, number no, number two or three, probably. Oh, I thought we were getting like actually like plus minus, like how oh no, I just went for the rank. I don't say like like plus two hundred or something, it's just like something stupid.
0: So, Anton, you're going with the number, and Olsen's uh, going with uh, ranking
2: which are both like I guess really hot. Okay,
1: I would say second place plus oh, he's playing plus buzz whole career plus 345.
0: All right. Uh, I guess expected stuff don't count as much. Patrice Bergeron his expected plus minus in his career was 142.7, which is good enough for first overall amongst all active players. Like I, I know plus-minus is a big thing, but when you talk about two-way player, like you said there said before, like, this is not, like, the biggest thing. Like, he basically expected to have the highest school differential when he's on the ice. Well, that's
1: my point, though, then. How do you not... How is he not a 1st
0: style Hall of Famer? I don't like that. Like, that's... It, it makes sense why he's got six keys. It makes sense why people consider him, like, a legend. And, like this guy was a second round pick like that still shocks me like when you think about his career how he even when he started off as like a 18 19 20 year old like how did this guy drop to the second round I it granted it was a huge draft but like the 2003 draft but how did a guy like this fall into the laps of the Bruins who are very happy that they got him but um it just amazes me how like what, how his career has developed from going from like, second second round pick to you know almost what 20 years later, it's probably a first round hall of Hall of famer. I, I think you can take the uh, probably out of that to be honest with you. Do you want to know who's second unexpected uh, plus minus? Anze Kopitar. That's should not a bad pick. I don't have one
2: because I have no idea. I don't know I have a name I can give you. Crosby?
0: Anze Kopitar is 88. Uh, Crosby is number seven. Number two is Brad Marchand. Which I, I guess that makes sense because he's been attached to the hip to Bergeron, But kind of funny. I don't think you ever expected Brian Marchand to be a, a top two-way guy. But I guess when you play with one, then you know, your career expected plus minus is probably pretty the same. You know what's wild is that in 03 3
2: uh, Bruins drafted Bergeron, what, 45th overall? In 4 they drafted David Krejci, 63rd. So back-to-back years, they got number one, number two centers.
0: Yeah, like I think those picks really vaulted them into like this dynasty that they had. And I mean, to get back to the original transition, right? You know they kind of were building a succession plan of centers. You know they started off with you know Jumbo Joe, then like Mark Savard was kind of there for a little while, and then became became the Bergeron Krejci show. I know they brought in Charlie Coyle, but I don't think they ever thought he was going to be like that guy to be playing center. But you look at this team now without Bergeron, without Krejci, your number one center is a uh, Pavel Saka who. Granted, the former top ten pick, but not a guy that you assume to be a top line center. And Charlie Coyle was probably a one B. Like the Bruins kind of screwed up and didn't really have that transition plan that they had back in the two thousands when they drafted a guy like Bergeron and they drafted a guy like Kirchy.
1: Is it a screw up, or is it a acknowledgement that you know your insane cup window is probably ending? Like it's not their fault they had to the trade their picks to. You know, set up these insane teams,
2: a la Red Wings, where yes. you know they kept pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. A la, like, honestly, Penguins. Like, look at the next five years of the Penguins. Like, or sorry, three, four. How many? How long is Crosby and uh, friends there for? But like a couple more years, right? Yeah, like, like after that, you're gonna see that team just like go down, man.
1: You can't just like expect to find these like, you know later picks constantly to you know, help build your team out like these are just if they if everyone knew how good they were then they wouldn't have gone where they've gone
0: you know what would have helped if they did screw up that 2015 draft and not draft the center because what they went what like um was it uh jacob Zaboral. then they went um jake lip DeBrusque, who was a winger then he went Zach Zaneshin, who was a winger and then, of course, the next pick after that was Matt Barcel. I mean, that could have been perfect, dude. Like, you know, that like, should they have drafted a center at, you know, in 2015 when Bergeron would have been, you know, getting to his mid-30s, right? Like, that would have been the time to think about, okay, let's try to draft a center that could be, you know, part of our succession plan. You know, they don't always work out, but, like, that would have been a perfect opportunity to continue that, you know, line of succession of great centers. And... Extend that contending window longer, right? But I feel like that was maybe that one rare miss in Bruins history that you know could have extended this. They're they're extending window as a team, right? Maybe not just for Bergeron and Krejci, but just as a team overall.
1: Do we have this conversation if they win the cup this year?
2: Oh, like you know, like Bergeron's final year, he wins a cup, two cups with his like Hall of Fame career, etc. etc.
1: If the Boston Bruins won the cup this year, do we have this conversation? Do we have oh. this concern? Oh, of the succession thinking? planning. Yeah. No. Do Who we cares? care?
2: Yeah. Who
0: cares? It's, only, it's only
1: a conversation because they didn't win the cup.
0: Well, Let's be honest here. Do you think would Bergeron would have would he have retired if they won the cup?
1: I don't doesn't matter. Let's say he retired. We we don't care. This conversation is doesn't happen if they won the cup this year. Brad
2: Marchand could have retired for all we cared. David Pasternak could have walked away and been like, ah, you know what? You're you're walking off a champ. Good, yeah. good job.
1: We don't have this conversation if they win this cup. It's because they didn't win the cup that we go, well, maybe you should have planned for the future.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, like, they had how long to kind of be prepared for this, right? It like, doesn't matter, though.
1: If they won the cup, we don't have this conversation.
0: Yeah, but it's not like they traded... Yesteryear's picks this year to go for the cup, right? Like, they. If they
1: want another cup, we don't have this question. We go, well, you know what? That's the cost of doing business.
2: Like, 2019, they were, what, one game away, I think?
1: Yeah. Won the cup this year. We were just blew
2: like, up. Oh, that's cost of doing business, man. It sucks. But uh, they won the cup. Who cares? You knew, like, going into the season, basically. Like, because Bergeron and Krejci's, um I think their contracts were like what's it called, bonus base. It was like, I don't know, on $1 million salary, but like 4 or $5 million in bonuses. And it was like, play the games, get 10 assists, whatever, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you knew that was going to affect next year's cap. So regardless, it would have it would affected next year. That was like literally the, the front office of Rutherford saying, who cares about next year? Because we're going all in this year.
1: Yeah. This is only a question because they did win the cup.
0: I mean... It, it was nice at least to see Bergeron retire at his, I don't want to say prime, but, you know, on a high note, right? Like, he he wasn't a guy who was on the fourth line winning playoffs, and, like, he got to a- end on a high note, which he wanted. So, it, it was kind of nice to see him. But, yeah, definitely first ballot Hall of Famer, you know. I don't know when he be- can become a Hall of Famer, but uh, we expect him to be in Toronto and Shrine very soon. Um, he
1: retired from the game. The game didn't force him to retire, for sure. But, speaking of being able to continue playing, there's a brief moment there. We thought Tarasenko wasn't going to get a contract this year, right? Like a very small like outside chance.
2: More like, uh, I think for me, it was more of a training camp uh, signing. Worst case, like absolute break glass for uh, his he and his camp. It was like a oh shit we really need a contract we gotta sign now
0: uh i I didn't really think so like I mean we heard the send like Karasenko to the sends rumor like weeks before the signing so I didn't like I knew he was gonna sign before you know start of the off season like I mean sorry the the actual like, preseason it's just maybe it took longer than we thought it was gonna be but I think that's just because of like the salary cap crunch right like teams didn't have enough money and in the end it just became fairly clear like okay this is a team that had money this is a team that had an opening in their top six you know who could take the risk to sign tarasenko on like a one-year deal and you know there we go like tarasenko to the sends. one year five million dollars i mean he had 50 points last season so it wasn't like i wasn't worried that he wasn't going to sign like this wasn't like a mike hoffman thing I would say, like, I thought, like, there was enough of a market for Tarasenko that he would get, like, an actual contract instead of a PT.
1: Also, are the Sanders a cap team now? How far off are they, actually? Or are they over? The Ottawa Senators have $895,953 in cap space. They still have Shane Pinto to resign. They will have Josh Norris, Anton Forsberg with IR. Uh, they have one goalie on their team right now. Uh, so they'll have money, but like, I mean, they still is a sign Shane Pinto. Like, there's gonna be money need to be spent. They still need a backup goalie. Um, yeah, and if you like look, look at their actual cash for spending, like there's a couple players who are making less than you know what their actually cap hit is. Or like Stutz is making eight point three five million, but the cash is making five million. But then Brady Chuck is making ten and a half against 8.205, Claude Giroux is making six and a half, uh, sorry, making seven on six and a half. Like the money is there. Like they're spending money.
0: Well, I mean, that happens when you have like a new owner, right? Like this is, you know, a team, but also the fact, this is a team that's, you know, on the upward trend, right? Like now it makes sense for them to spend up to the, you know, cap ceiling because they need, you know to bring in good players to compete, and you know like I, like this is it, it's a good team. Like I mean, it sucks losing the Brinket, but like by losing the Brinket, you bring in Kubelik and Tarasenko, make your team three lines deep. Like it's not the worst trade off when you're put in a bad situation. Like like I I don't I don't know. Like this is a good team. Like I think the Tarasenko signing is a good signing for both. Player and team. You know, they have one year to kind of test it out. I, I don't see Tarasenko re signing, but if you're looking to build value before the cap spike and, you know, you're trying to join a team that needs a little top six help, you know, you could do worse in the sense.
2: So um, apparently there's a rumor going out that Tarasenko had other offers prior to signing this one. So he had a four year. Uh, four year deal at 5.5 per from Ottawa early in the free agency. So, I'm assuming like July 1st or whatever. He had one year offers from Carolina at 5.25, San Jose at one year and six. Um, do you think he shot himself in the foot because he, how do you say this, like he didn't take, he was going to sign with the Sens at the end. He didn't take that four year deal, he just took that one, and you know. It could end up very well for him, but what if it's a very injury-plagued season, or he doesn't perform, so he loses uh, that three years and the rest of that like fifteen million change.
1: That's a bet on yourself deal, if I've ever heard of one, right? Like that clearly tells me at least he thinks he can get, you know, five and a half for six years or something.
0: But I think the like I kind of get why he don't sign for four years if you're Teresenko, because if you're going to make that better on yourself and you know, the cap is going up, right? Like, yes, I can sign for four years at 5.5, but if I sign this year for 5 million, but next year I, when the cap goes up and teams have money to spend, I can sign like a three-year UFA deal of like 6.5, you know, you make more money in the end. And I think if you're an NHL player, you're always going to bet on yourself. Like, yes, it's good for long-term security, but for a guy who's won the cup, you know, and, you know, I I don't know. I, I, th- I kind of can see why we're seeing almost these, like, short-term deals where, you know, guys you expect to sign as long as they want, but now they're like, you know, we've had a cap freeze the last couple of seasons, you know. Teams aren't going to be spending as much, you know. Try to time yourself so that when you know the cap does spike up, finally in free agency, you take advantage of that. And I think that's why a lot of agents are do, making sure their players know, like their clients know that you know it's not going to be a flat cap forever. Um, when the cap does go up, it's going to go up fairly significantly, and that's when you know as a player you should take advantage if you're in free agency, right? So I, I, it's a good contract for both. Um, I, I'm just kind of curious. Like I was trying to see if like Tarasenko. He has a no-trade clause, um, and I think that's, like, also fairly smart just in case, you know, the sends fall flat, right? Then you can still have that option like what Taylor Hall had where you're going to trade it to contender, compete, raise your value up again, and then when you jump into free agency, you'll show that you're a playoff performer, hopefully, as well. So uh, it's, a, it's a good move for both team and player.
2: But then looking at his, like, injury history, it's... Again, like, he took it, whatever. But, like, last year he's played 69 games nice 75 the year before, 24, 10. Like, the last four years he's been kind of not that product, not productive, but not that, like, not a huge factor on the ice overall. I get it, taking the one year better on yourself, blah, blah, blah. But given his history, I think taking the guaranteed four years at this money would have been, like, not the smarter move but like a hey maybe that's the better play did he do the forward version of john klingberg is that what you worry about
1: uh what are you on about has a long-term deal end up signing a short-term one-year bid on himself deal
2: and then doesn't get slack. another long-term deal yeah yeah kind of like that because it's like he's often injured
0: I mean, like, uh, I, I feel like he's had some rough luck. I mean, that injury that he had in, was like 2019 2020? That was, like, a huge freak injury, right? So, I mean, I, he has kind of been, I don't want to say injury prone since then, but he just isn't the same guy as much, I would say, but. Like, you know, it, I, I think it, it'll be interesting. It, I mean, it'll be fun to watch the Sens now, I think, having Tarasenko there and, you know, with Stutzluck, Chuck, Norris, Drew, Atherton, your Ashabad and Chikarin on the back end. You got Sanderson on the back end as well. You know, all they got to hope is that, you know, one of your former goalies there, your Corpus Allo, does, you know, okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, anyway, that's pretty much our episode. I kind of we were able to talk a lot about hockey stuff after our uh, fun intro um do any of you guys have any uh, final thoughts for the this episode
2: when patrick kane signing uh whenever he is healthy the last eligible day that he can play in the playoffs
0: was that your final thought
1: that was my final thought
0: uh anton what was your final thought for this episode
2: I mean, think I don't really have one. That was my answer to his, so i I'll let you finish it off then.
0: Well, and uh, at the at this time of the year, we always make the decision where um, you know we we don't want to become the bag of pucks relationship podcast. There's only so much we can talk about every other week. So I think what we're gonna do as a podcast, we're gonna take, you know, a couple weeks off, a couple episodes off, um probably back in September, we'll start back up again. You know, when hockey starts, you know, coming back, you know, the GMs are all off from uh, their little vacation. Um, obviously there's still arbitration filings. There's still some big names that need to sign like, you know, Patrick Kane, Matt Dumba. Uh, you know, if there's ever any big news that does happen, I guess we'll kind of get together, but I think we're going to call it a uh, summer break time boys. And, uh, you know, we'll come back in September, or if anything interesting pops up, sounds good.
2: School's out, school's out, school's out. One, two, three, Cancun. All right. Until then, see you later.
1: Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Backfucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.